Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 24 of Lymphedema Podcast. Last week, people from all over the world gathered in Chicago to hear from experts in the field of lymphedema. Today, I have two guests joining me to give a recap of the International Lymphedema Framework Conference, commonly referred to as the ILF Conference. Casey and Nancy are two friends from Minnesota who both went to Chicago to attend the conference. Casey, Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. So Casey, if you will go ahead and introduce yourself and then Nancy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself so that everyone who's listening can meet you both right now. Awesome. Okay. My name is Casey Rubin. I live in rural Southern Minnesota. We have a growing hobby farm and a licensed daycare. And I'm a mother of a three-year-old daughter named Cora Jean. She was diagnosed with primary lymphedema upon birth. In her hands, arms, and entire lower body extending from her belly button down. I attended the ILF conference to help educate myself on the disease. With me is my dear friend Nancy, or as Cora calls her, Fancy. Nancy is co-founder <laughs> of the MyLives Twin City Support Group, an amazing group set up to help those diagnosed with lymphedema here in Minnesota. That's awesome. I did not know that she was the My Twin Cities <laughs> Limp. Um, I've seen that on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Nice. All right, Nancy. Well, your turn. <laughs> Go ahead and just let us know a little about yourself. A little about me. I'm Nancy Adsom, and um, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer 20 years ago. So I'm a 20 year survivor this summer. Congratulations. Yay. Yeah, I know. So I think that's really cool. Um, my lymphedema is then secondary from the 15 lymph nodes that they removed at that time. And it didn't surface. And um, I had a glimpse of it after 14 years of wow. living free without lymphedema. Um, I had my first experience and it was diagnosed very quickly. I was very blessed um, to be to get in the right hands very quickly um, as latent lymphedema. And another four years went by. Um, before it actually blew up, blew up. Um, so it's been two years that I've been dealing with the effects of it. Um, and I was really blessed also to meet another, quote, lymphy in Minneapolis. And um, there, there were three of us then that got together and started this uh, support group, um, as Casey mentioned, called Myelin Twin Cities. So we've been doing that for about a year. So I'm, I'm one of those Medicare patients that doesn't get any assistance with my garments. Um, I'm a mother of four and a grandmother to six. 
um, and really passionate about the lymphedema. Um, so I really went to the conference to learn more because I want to be the best lymphy I can be. Um, and I really want to bring that information from the conference back then to this support group. I really love that. The best lymphy I can be. I mean, I think that needs to be on a t-shirt personally. Well, yeah, that and uh, the other t-shirt I want is um, a superhero on it. And it says, I don and I doff. What's your superpower? True story. (laughs) So I want to jump into questions about the conference. Um, Nancy, can you tell us what the structure of the conference was like? What the layout was? Yeah, it was really interesting, I thought. It's the first kind of conference like this I've ever been to. But there were a, a little over 400 participants from 28 different countries. Um, so there were clinicians, patients, um, PhD scientists kind of people, doctors, um, and an exhibition areas where there were a number of vendors that we could go around and talk to. So it was really diverse. That's such a great mix-up because it wasn't just heavy on the patient side or heavy on the clinician side. And both patients and clinicians love vendors. So that is the perfect yeah. combination that of the three. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Casey, how long were the sessions that you guys went to? The sessions range from an hour to about an hour and a half. They would often extend because people would really get engaged with questions or the professors or doctors who were teaching them or leading them really just would go on. And you could tell everyone was really passionate about lymphedema when you were there. So you plan for an hour, an hour and a half, and it was set that way, but it usually didn't end at the time it was supposed to. It was it was awesome. It was really informative. That's awesome because I know sometimes you'll go – or at least I will go to some continuing it or something. And I'm like, oh my goodness, when is the next coffee break? I cannot keep my eyes open. But you can really tell, and I like how you said that they just were really passionate. Because you can really tell the difference between someone who's giving a PowerPoint presentation and someone who was really trying to pl- explain their research. Yeah. So I think that's really yeah. cool that it was obvious in their time that they were passionate and didn't mind going over, you know, for the sake of carrying on that conversation. Many of the doctors and the professors there stayed and they answered questions from every single person. There'd be a long line and they stood the entire time answering questions from um, therapists, you name it, on different situations they're having, just trying to help everyone. That was it was really heartwarming to see that as well because they had planes to catch and everything else, but they were there and they just, they wanted to help. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) Were the sessions interactive? Yeah, I think you would say that in kind of like what, what Casey was just describing, that the speakers, when they were done, they didn't go to a back room and they didn't just go hang out with each other. They stayed in the community. It was a community. Um, So the speakers were really easy to catch either after it or even the next day. I mean, we, we went and caught, you know, on a first name basis, you know, Hey, Neil, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we want to talk a little bit, bit more about that slide you had yesterday. Um, so that it was very, very low key and very informative. 
it was a very comfortable and inviting environment. Mm -hmm. That's, Mm -hmm. that's always helpful too, because you never want to feel like, okay, my question's going to be stupid or I'm going to be the first person to ask a question. So when the room, the whole room is just buzzing with questions, it really encourages that in other people. Were they hands-on or just kind of Q&A at the end? Um, I, I would say Q&A, I but would lots too. of discussion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, yeah, I, I don't remember any specific moments where they're hands-on. I mean, I, there was a few other classes I'm not sure Nancy hits, but I, I can't confirm for sure if they were. <laughs> and and that's a good point too because yeah, there were di- there, there were different tracks. So there was a track for, that was designed for patients, and there was yeah. a track designed for clinicians. Um, although we found each other in each other's sessions all the time, yes. um, and the conference actually started a day and a half before quote the patient sessions started. So there could have been more hands on at that particular point. And Casey, what piqued your interest to going to the conference? I am constantly, my husband's not here to attest this, but I'm constantly researching and just trying to learn as much I can and absorb as much as I can for my daughter's sake. Um, immediately when I saw it pop up from a friend overseas, Pernella, she had... Um, said that it was it was happening so I looked it up and I saw primary lymphedema and I got really excited it's really hard to find a lot of information about it um there isn't enough solid information in the world at all really about the condition and there's such a wide variation in opinions on treatments but even after three years of seeing some prominent hospitals and doctors it's really hard to get consistent answers and feedback or even treatment options outside the realm of what they know is the typical case of primary lymphedema. And I just wanted to learn the, the latest I can from the best. And I wanted, I had a lot of questions on their best practices, their opinions on it. And I really wanted to see things from a clinician's perspective. I thought that'd be very beneficial because a lot of times things are just kind of told to the patient, but they don't understand the whys. And the whys are really important to me as a mother making decisions about my daughter's care. Mm -hmm. I love that. You're such a good mom. I just love that so much already. Yes, you. Yes, she is. She's my world, so. (laughs) And Nancy, what what piqued your interest in the conference? Um, I had seen it uh, advertised a year ago. Um, I think it was over in the Netherlands. And um, so I couldn't go, but I saw that it was going to be in Chicago in 2019. So a year ago, I put it on my calendar for this year. Um, I was really um, interested in the really broad categories. I mean, the, the program that they had for doctors and clinicians um, with the abstracts and the poster abstracts were incredibly diverse. Um, everything from compression therapy, um, how lymphedema patients have problems with feet and toes, and uh, graded negative pressure. Does it have a place in the CDT treatment model? Um, interesting. 
um, limited usability of lymphocentigraphy and follow-up of primary lymphedema. Those are just some yes. examples. Yes. Um, and then the fact that it was all international opinions. You know, um, experts from Australia and Germany and the United Kingdom and the U.S. and Wales and Denmark. Um, those were, I think, the primary things that, that caught my interest. I'm even more boned that I didn't go and we're only halfway through the interview and I'm already kicking myself because that sounds great. So since you're already making me jealous, Casey, what session was the most impactful for you? I found value in most of it, just like Nancy had mentioned. There's just so much information. It answered so many whys and it was very clear and it was in depth. And it wasn't hard to understand, but there's so much with the education piece you just don't always get. But by far, the subject I think I talked Nancy's ear off on was um, a Professor Christina or Christiana Gordon. She helped create what they call a diagnostic algorithm or a formula, and they use genetics. They, they basically made this huge map with genetics and all the symptoms and what side of the body the lymphedema presents on. And they all correlated together and they made it into one giant solving, like problem solving tool. And they proved its effectiveness in treatment against primary lymphedema. Um, Professor Christiana Gordon, she's a lead at St. George and George's in London, and she's really passionate about the proper diagnosis of primary lymphedema. But she really stresses it being outside the norm of what you learn, which is the three types, congenital, praecox, and then the lymphedema tarda. She really wants people to start looking at it as a genetic space, which is really important to me because my daughter, she so far has none of the known genetics. There's testing being done now, but she doesn't match with anything, and she does not show up like any other case that I even saw in this presentation. And when I presented it, they still didn't know. So it's so important to be researching the genetics so we can create that line and help develop and help other children learn what they could expect from these conditions through our genetics, if that makes sense. But it was really exciting for me. It just explained everything so well. That's good. No, that completely yeah. makes sense. <laughs> and I feel like maybe... Professor Gordon presented in Boston last year, Lymphatic Symposium for Clinicians. Oh. Because I remember hearing something similar to this and how they were really at that time working on a yes. large project about yes. mapping genetics for primary lymphedema. Yep. But I can't say I could pay attention very well. I actually had food poisoning and I oh, tried to make gosh. it the first morning, and I was, like, sitting in my chair sweating. I was like, I need to leave. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can't focus on what they're talking about. But I do remember something along those lines. And I remember that she had a British accent. So I think it's the same lady because I can't remember anything else. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> Genetics for lymphedema and British accent. So maybe <laughs> I have heard a portion of this presentation at some point. What I really enjoyed, too, is that it even it probably was an update for the one you seen because some of the genetics she added she added were only found last year, which was crazy to me. Wow. More things to add to it. So it's it's really neat. That's good. I really hope yeah. that that, <laughs> that specifically helps you guys with Cora's treatment. That would be really helpful. 
Hopefully, but we'll see. I'm optimistic. <laughs> Good. Have you heard about Camp Watch Me? This July in Durant, Oklahoma, we're having the first ever summer camp for kids with lymphedema. Would you please help support us by going to www.brylandsfeet.org to buy a t-shirt. The t-shirt costs $45 and all proceeds go towards camp. The website again is www.brylandsfeat.org. And Nancy, what was the most impactful session for you? Oh, well, um, you know, Casey and I are really good friends, especially now that we spent the whole weekend together. And yeah. But we're so different in, in our approach and what was on our mind. Um, you know, her being a caregiver for a primary daughter and mine, you know, as an, um, a secondary lymphedema. And my most important session was called treatment protocol, basic old treatment protocol. And um, what happened when I was sitting in this one, and it was given by a doctor from the United States, and I thought, man, maybe I should have picked a different session to go to it during this time slot because I probably know this stuff. And as she was going through it, she had up on the screen the infamous gold standard with phase one of decongestion of skin care exercise manual lymph drainage and bandaging, along with phase two of the maintenance for the patient of exercise, skin care, uh, garments, and then manual lymph drainage. And I'm really glad I was there because I heard her as she was going through this um, presentation. When it got to phase two, MLD, she pointed to the screen and she said, and if there's anything you're, you're going to skip, you could skip this. Yep. And I was stunned that this doctor at this lymphedema conference would tell. Now, this was a group of patients. This was a patient symposium we were at at that time. And she said it would be okay to drop manual lymph drainage. And I was just, I was taken back. I didn't know what to say. Um, The Casey and I talked about it that night, and the next day I did find her. I approached her, and now this sounds like a bad thing, but I'm going to turn it into a good thing, okay? Okay. Um, Because I approached her, and I said, you know, she knew exactly which slide I was referring to, and I said, why did you say that? And she she explained that she sees patients coming in, and and then she did kind of a, a flippy kind of thing with one hand on the other arm, and she said they just they just don't do it right, so why bother? And I, the nice part of me wanted to say, well, maybe we should think about something different. And then I thought, no, let's just get direct. And I said, well, mm-hmm. then I think it's time to retrain. To retrain, and um, even the the very next session I had gone to after hers, which she also was in attending, um, was uh, Gunter Close, and he had not only four items on phase one, but he had added a fifth, and that was to train the patient. Yes, and she she never said, she just kept saying, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Um, she never said, you're right. 
we need to address that and retrain and and not skip it. Um, but I just I I felt really sad at the time um, that that was spoken to a group of patients. But on the other hand, I've taken it to to you know I'm rallying around this um, to to change that in in my sphere of influence to make sure that people are doing the basics right, to get the basics right on this model. Um, We can all go home on Monday and the therapists that were there went home on Monday and they were rolling gauze and cutting complex and the, the patients that were there, we went home trying to reduce the swelling in our limbs and washing compression garments. So we get back to the basics. Um, we, we didn't go home on Monday and worry about the scientific piece of lymphedema. We were back to the basics. And yeah. so based on, on that session, treatment protocol, I mean, treatment protocol is, is really a big deal. And, and I think that I can be a better lymphie and help other people be better lymphies if we, if we get the basics right. I couldn't agree more because you have to get the basics down so that you can add to that foundation. And that's kind of your guide for the rest of your treatment. I do find yeah. that interesting that she mentioned not doing the MLD. You know, that's, I don't mean to butt in. I I am. I'm getting off topic, but you know, that is actually something that was reflected to Cora and I, when I first started seeking out treatment, many doctors just, they just don't agree. And they even stress at the end of the conference that we need to find a standardized care that we all can agree on so we could teach patients effectively because there's so many different opinions, so many different styles and ways. I think it just confuses and overwhelms people. I know I myself thought um, more is better, so I've always done it. But I could have very well have listened to some of my therapists and doctors and just been like, eh, they said it doesn't matter. Let's not do it, you know, and it set us back further. I'm really thinking hard on this because it's got so many wheels in my mind turning. Yes. On one hand, I can see it and agree with it as a therapist that why put your time into it if the patients aren't performing it correctly and not necessarily for the lack of training or the lack of education, but sometimes it's range of motion arthritis, um, other comorbidities. Do they have some other physical ailment that stops them? Um, A tremor from Parkinson's or something else that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I treat, I do treat mostly adults and geriatric patients. So I can't say so much for the kids as well. But Mm -hmm. on the other hand, why would you ever tell them not to do even what they're most capable of doing. Right. Because moving the lymph, activating the lymph nodes, rerouting the fluid, the physical stimulation on the lymphatic vessel is so important for the lymphatic drainage that Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of pumping. I supplement treatment with pumping. I um, refer patients to get pumps at home for use to supplement their treatment. But I don't think pumping is a replacement for MLD 
No. And I don't I think... agree. I totally agree. Oh, and I do you. both. Thank you. Yes. And and you if you well? talk with my, my pump manufacturer, they would they they have told me that the pump can be a replacement for my MLD and it is not for me. Uh-uh. It's not because it doesn't it can't do what hand does. I mean it can't right. activate those inguinals even if you're in a jacket or in pants. It's not the same. Yep. So yep. I can understand why waste your time, but I can also totally see why not just let them do their best? Because I have to create alternate ways of doing MLD all the time with patients. So I would never tell them, just oh, just don't do it. No. I would have them do some form of MLD. So that is interesting. You need to uplift your patients and give them that sense of pride that they can do it. I mean, they're the ones that have to go home. And if you're just not teaching them, I mean, they're going to do research on top of it, they won't feel capable. I mean, they're just, you don't want to give the patient any excuse to not, to provide for themselves and for their best care. And that's, you could teach alternatives, like you suggested pumping, that could be a piece to add to it. Like if you have these issues, X, Y, Z, you could also do this instead. I hope you've enjoyed learning from Nancy and Casey about the ILF conference that they just went to. Please join us next week for the rest of their episode, and you'll finish hearing all the good things they have to say about the ILF conference. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the ILF conference 2019 that was hosted in Chicago. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit another topic episode.